Presented by the Evangelism Department of the North American Mission Board. This is Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast. The podcast to help pastors be on mission in their local community. Here's your host, Joel Sutherland. Welcome to the Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Sutherland. When you visit a top evangelistic church, you'll immediately notice there's a different atmosphere in the building than in a church that's not evangelistic. There's just a vibe in the air. There, there's an excitement that is inherent in a church that preaches the gospel and sees salvation and life transformation on a regular basis. I think you can attribute that to two main things. One, I think the Spirit of God hangs out around salvation and life transformation. Luke fifteen ten says, in the same way... There is joy in the presence of God's angel when even one sinner repents. There's excitement in heaven over one sinner coming to Christ, and it's not a far stretch to say that's probably carried over to our church services as well. But secondly, I think top evangelistic churches plan on engagement and plan on excitement in the worship experience. They try and orchestrate a level of engagement, a level of excitement in two primary areas, the music and the message. Now, here's some things we know about the music worship experience, for example. In the survey we did a couple years ago, in the research project we did among top evangelistic churches, 90% described their music as lively and celebratory. 95% described their music as blended or contemporary. What that primary tells us is that churches are seeking participation, not just presentation, in their worship experience. And I find when I talk to and interview the pastors of the top evangelistic churches that they're continually trying to orchestrate an engaging experience from the music to the message. So let's take a quick break, and when we return, I'll be joined by our co-host, and we'll hear what one top evangelistic pastor says about engagement on Sunday morning. I'm joined by my co-host today, Scott Smith. Scott, uh, welcome on. And engaging can be a hard word to define. How would you describe an engaging church? Yeah, that that really is tough to define. I, I would say, and this word is probably going to sound overused, uh, but I want us just to kind of think about it, in, it maybe in a different way. It's the word relevance. I think an engaging church feels relevant. And, you know, I at some level, the entire experience, Joel, of a worship service has its own language. Mm. And I believe the more divorced that language is from the people, uh, the the less they feel engaged. So, for instance, if I, if I go to a foreign mission field, the more I learn that language, oh, the good. more engaging I'm going to be in that culture. And so to the degree that a church has real, let's just call it uh, irrelevant or, or not perceived as relevant, churchy music, for instance, or churchy words, you know, that's a big mm-hmm. one. Mm-hmm. It's less engaging. So I think a ch- the most engaging churches, based on what I've seen, and of course, you know, a lot of the a lot of the data that's come out of your office is they really work hard to stay relevant with what they say, what they sing, how they sing it, how they communicate, and the people feel engaged. Yeah. So your your average church member, ninety nine point nine 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 percent have not been to seminary. So if we're singing words that are seminary words, if we're preaching using a language that's really totally foreign to them, I yeah. mean, 
you can say soteriology right. in your church and not a person in your building really has a clue yeah. uh, on what that means. But you can take, uh, for example, a, a, a Chris Tomlin song, and they can sing about soteriology but never use the word. Yes. They put it in language they you understand. Know, what's going to be more engaging to the average person we're inviting to church if we sing O Ancient of Days mm-hmm. or if we sing You're a Good, Good Father? Now, this is not about music, okay? Right. So there no, are no, plenty no. of hymns no. uh, that that are are relevant and can be easily understood. My point is, to your point, if we're if we're using a lot of words they don't understand, but if but if we're singing around concepts they do understand, there is a difference uh, in terms. They feel more engaged. Well, and I think that comes out in ninety five percent describe their music as blended or contemporary. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that stat, we discovered over fifty percent said their music was contemporary. Uh, this is not a contemporary versus non contemporary discussion. Right. No, I, I want everybody to sure. hear that. It, but it is a it is a language issue to some degree. Um, that listen. You can call it the dumbing down of America or whatever you want to call it. I mean, our reading level is probably not what it used to be years ago in right. general. I mean, forget Bible theological issues. People don't read very much. I mean, studies show most people don't read a book after they graduate college. Wow. You know, so it's just where we are. Mm-hmm. So we can complain about it or we can um, get it at their level because at the end of the day, our job is not to teach them theological words. Our, go- our job is to reach them with the gospel. Right. You know, especially if a lost person comes in. Have no idea of the language we're using, and I, well, I think that's a great point. But when you talk about relevance in your language, uh, you've got to keep in mind that's that's not a generational thing. Even we're not saying that we're not saying you shouldn't speak to millennials, but we're not saying oh, that's all about millennials. Everybody's kind of in the same boat. When well, you I think it was at that. the core of what, what Paul's addressing in First Corinthians thirteen with the tongues issue. It was about look, they're not going to feel engaged with what you're really about. Mm, good point. Because your in- your your communication mm. is chaos. Mm-hmm. So when your communication is not chaos right. and it's clear, they'll say, surely God is among you. So um, that is ultimately the, the the expression of faith we want. Well, and that flips over in a message as well. I mean, you, big time. You, look, it was Albert Einstein, I think, who said, you know, if you don't explain your if you can explain your topic to a fourth grader or something like that, you don't understand it well. And a lot of times when you hear preaching, it's not at that fourth grade level. And part of the problem is we don't. We, we don't really understand. I, this is 25 years ago. I, I heard a guy get up in the pulpit, and he literally said these words. Now, I don't understand all of what I'm about to preach at, about, but here's goes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, look, it was obvious he yeah. didn't understand what he was talking about. Well, you about. know, a lot of stuff's been said about why Trump won the election. Everybody's examining that whole thing. They said he never spoke above a fifth-grade level. Yeah. And, and so I, I think, you know, you really understood. He didn't explain a lot of the concept. They're very basic uh, whether you like Trump or not, that's not the point. The point is the communication was simple. People felt engaged. It's like I engage with this. I get the message. Yeah. I understand what he's saying. And so at least to his base, all right, Yeah. Uh, they, they felt more engaged. Well, uh, even to speak to that further, and this is, not again, not a political discussion, but I read an article yesterday about photography in Obama's White House versus photography in the Trump White House. Obama had a, st- uh, a presidential photographer who very much controlled – what went out, and it was not necessarily organic, but had some beautiful photos. I mean, like really some 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 will be go down in history. Trump's photographer keeps getting pushed out of the way by staffers cl- uh, snapping him on Instagram and posting it on Instagram <laughs> before it can go through this photography filter. Right. The difference is he's just trying to get everything, all the communication he can get. On all the channels. On all the channels. Yes. 
at a level at which we absorb the information, yes. which is an Instagram, Facebook, Twitter level. That's how we absorb photography. Yeah. We don't buy photography books I- I- anymore. Yeah, it know? brings it all down. It brings mm-hmm. it all down to where people live. And I think that's that's where the services of these leading churches that are evangelistic, that people feel like, you know, I can relate to what's going on here. Mm-hmm. Even though it is a church environment, that church has cracked the code on how they're communicating at multiple, the whole language of the service. Again, even the style of music chosen is a form of language. And I would say dialect, mm-hmm. uh, you know, regionally. You know, a, a, a top baptizing church in Georgia may look different than a top baptizing oh, church in sure. California. But I think there's a dialect within that service that makes it, you know, more contextual, uh, contextually driven in the in the region. Yeah, I went area. into, uh, I had a meeting with uh, Greg Laurie's staff uh, last year, so I flew into their uh, you know, California, and uh, they walked me through the um, uh, kind of the welcome area, which is huge. They, they bought a warehouse and redone it. And I saw this one area that had hundreds of surfboards hanging from the ceiling. And we're talking about a ceiling that's probably 20 or 30 feet tall. And I'm like, hey, John, what's that? He said, oh, that's a meeting room inside those surf rooms. We surfboards, we call it the boardroom. <laughs> and I thought, man, that's great in California. Would not work in Georgia, <laughs> no, but it's no. definitely speaking the language when you're on the beach in San Diego right. or Anaheim or wherever it may be. So that's great. Well, hey, I want to play a short clip from an interview I did with J.R. Lee, pastor of Freedom Church in Accra, Georgia, where he talks about how they strive to be engaging in the worship experience. One of the words I like to use for this generation's worship experience is they want it to be engaging. They want the the message engaging, the music engaging. Uh, Authentic is another word, but we're kind of getting away from the presentation style worship. How how do you strive week by week to make your message and your music engaging for that person who who doesn't know Christ? Yeah, again, I think a lot of that um, is you got to be pretty strategic, but even some of it's how you term uh, the terminology that you use. And so uh, for me, I've always heard the term service. Well, a service is something that you go to and a service is something that you go and then somebody does something for you. You know, like you're getting an oil change. That's a service. Right. I don't, I don't participate. I just sit in the little lobby um, for far too long until they come and tell me that my car is done and then I leave. Or I owe money and then I leave. Exactly. And then they tell me that even though the car's pretty new, that there's 37 things wrong with it. Yeah, that's right. But nonetheless... Yeah. Uh, so for us, we said, we don't want to call it that as a result, we want to call it instead a worship experience. And, um, we want people to experience what it means to be in the presence of God. And so, um, the best way for them to experience that is obviously to be in attendance and to feel like they're a part, you know, um, they can, we have the words up on the screen. I'm sure everybody does that, but the, the reason we do it is because we want people to be able to be engaged. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to turn the volume up, turn the volume up because more people will sing if they don't hear themselves. Yes. And so, uh, me, me included, uh, me included. Yeah. As a result, we have, uh, we even have an earplug dispenser in our lobby, uh, oh, because we're not going to turn it down, you know? Right. So, uh, we can't turn it down because I don't want to hear myself. Yeah. That's great. Uh, we, we just really want to, we want to help people to understand we don't have it all together. We say this all the time. We're a bunch of jacked up people who Jesus has changed our life. And we want him to be able to do the same exact thing in your life. He loves you just the way that you are. He just leaves you too much to leave you where you are. 
And uh, so that's what that's what we want to communicate. Hey, Scott, I like what J.R. Lee said. And by the way, he's a perennial top baptizer in this state of Georgia. He is. Uh, that they are strategic. Like, so they're not leaving this to chance, this engagement idea uh, from Sunday. They're not saying, well, we hope we're engaging this week. They are orchestrating it into everything from the language to the actual worship experience. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They, they, they're very, again, we always see this intentionality. Intention, right. About the details. Yep. And, and so I love the terminology. Look, and it was convicting to me, service versus worship experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I don't guess service is a biblical word. I mean, I'm trying to think. I don't think I find it in the Bible anywhere. No. But I do see it uh, at my car repair shop. You, you know, I do see it in, we call it the service industry. Right. And that has no church connotation whatsoever. When you call it the service, nobody's thinking about a church. They're thinking about versus a worship experience. Right. Uh, now, that's a change in terminology, but you're, you always say uh, words upload images. They do. Uh, other, other commonly used words would be similar to service, class. We're starting a new class. Uh-huh. Nobody likes to go to class. Mm-hmm. Class, mm-hmm. Going to class was always dreaded. So when you use the word class, what images are you uploading? So, um, you know, it, you know, Disney is selling an experience. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, the zoo, local zoo is selling experience. The mall is selling experience. And spas and, and, and things like that are selling experiences. Everything is talked about now in terms of experience that a lot of people put a lot of money behind <laughs> to – Make it a positive image right. that's already in their minds. And true is not worship and experience. It is. Mm-hmm. And uh, and these guys are, are making sure it's a good experience. And so he gave a couple of pragmatic ideas, words on the screen. Yep. And I mean, I know there are churches, uh, you know, especially in rural areas, that they haven't won the battle of getting the words on the screen yet. Like they're, they have voted down buying a projector or a, you know, a few. screen. Yeah, you, you, know, <laughs> you know, and so I empathize. Uh, with that, I mean, I, I I get it, but there's a reason the words are on the screen. It, right, it, you're helping engagement level. I did have a church call me recently that said, um, you know, we're thrilled because uh, Scott, we finally got an overhead projector, and mm-hmm. I I clapped and I said, great, great, and I said, how do you like it? He said, well, we love it, but the one guy hates it. The guy that flipping the transparencies can't keep up. <laughs> With the songs, <laughs> so if you're gonna make a change, make it wholesale. Yeah, just go all in. Just go all in, right? Just go all in. Um, yeah. So I've never heard this before. So I've heard this before, and I think it's brilliant. We want the volume up so you can't hear yourself sing. Well, yeah, I'd never heard that. Um, I mean, I see his point. Yeah. I, you know, and that's hard for honestly. I mean, we, you know, you and I sit here and trumpet some of these things that we're not really comfortable with. I, right. I, you know, I I kind of miss the days of being in a large, uh, echoey church where you could hear everybody sing. I think that's a great experience. Uh, but well, we're in a generation of people that don't want to sing. No, don't so be so when that was going on, I think I so I can't sing. Like I'm like I, I don't mean I can't sing. I mean like I'm horrible <laughs> at singing. So when everybody in the church was rocking that old hymn, and then I, I was, you could drown me out then. Okay. Right. The minute the volume gets a little low, I have to quit singing because I know what my, my wife just looks up at me and smiles. She does that <laughs> sometime time. Here's the deal I want to engage in worship. So right. I literally want to sing at the top of my lungs because I enjoy worship, but I just don't need anybody to hear me. So I like the volume up to a level mm-hmm. where um, 
I can I can enjoy worship and not worry about oh am I messing up the guy in front of me right. or messing up the guy behind of me behind me. But here's the neat thing: I've never heard this earplug dispensers. <laughs> never heard it. I've never heard that ever. And look, he solved a problem. He, he did. He solved a problem. He did. Yeah, and he he understands the music is going to be too loud for some people. And that's one of those things where we're not talking about watering down truth of the gospel. We're trying to, um, we're trying to, you know, make the make the experience more palatable so they'll better hear the gospel. Right. Exactly. Really. And so, if music's going to be a friction point for those, hey, let's address that problem. I love the way you said it. They they solved a problem. Yeah. It, it, so it's it's too loud for some. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's too loud for some. And and so. What are we going to do? We're going to adjust the volume every week, depending on who complained the week before. No, we're just going to crank it up. And if it's too loud for you, um, here's some earplugs, right? disposable <laughs> earplugs in the. Uh, I love that. I love that. Uh, so we've mainly talked about, um, uh, you know, music. But as we kind of close out, we want to make sure we talk about message as well. Uh, that a pastor needs to preach in a way that. Is engaging. Now, I'll say this: it's subjective. I mean, it's really hard to define, and to some degree, maybe someone smarter than me can an engaging sermon. But um, I'm not saying you know you've you've you you know you've got to walk out. I mean, I don't. I really don't really have a good plan here. But you need your audience engaged with you when you speak, and and maybe the best way I can put that is, uh, you can't deliver a book report. No. No, I think you need to spend some time, especially if you're listening to this and you are bivocational, you've never maybe had formal training, uh, get, get some training. Mm-hmm. And and I think the training needs to be, uh, you know, if nothing else, start with a simple book we've recommended for years, 12 Essential Skills for Great Preaching by Wayne McDill. And the reason I say that, learn what full-orbed, uh, multidimensional engaging communication looks like. Mm-hmm. It includes explanation. It includes illustration. It includes argumentation and application. And if you understand those things, you're going to naturally develop uh, more engaging sermons in less time. It's, it, it's very important that you not just go off knack or just whatever yeah. level of innate ability you have. You've got to yeah. sharpen the the uh, your, your, your natural gifts, but you also have to understand what engages the mind? What engages the heart of your listener? Yeah, and I think, you know, if you go back to the book, Five Love Languages, we tend to love people the way we want to be loved. Right. It, we as preachers tend to preach the way we learn best. So what we'll do is inadvertently lean in heavy in one area, mm-hmm. and that leaves out 75% of our congregation. It, right, you are appealing to 25% of your congregation, but you're leaving out 75%. So I, I think a book like Medill, uh, I'm coaching a group of pastors right now on, on, on preaching. So last week, and I'm having them read McDill's book, but um, last week I handed out 11 social media copy editing formulas to them and said, hey, this is the way the world is communicating. Maybe you could craft an introduction around this formula. Maybe you could craft an entire sermon 
around this formula. Mainly, I just want you to be aware, this is how the world's getting engagement mm-hmm. uh, in their messaging. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, I think you know, we have to look at it. We, ex- we exegete the text, but we also exegete the listener. Yes. We, we, we're constantly trying to figure out, you know, what is it that hooks them? What is it that that makes a message stick? One of the, Actually, one of the best books I ever read that helped my preaching was that book, Made, Made to, to Stick. stick yeah. what, why is it that some people remember certain things and don't remember others? And so, um, you know, in real-world case studies, you know, having, you know, been on the road a lot and, and go back to a church a year later and they remember some sermon titles or some sermon points mm-hmm. or th- the thrust of a message— you know, when it, because I applied some of those principles, it's just based on this is how, this is how people work. This is how people get engaged. Right. If you understand what makes people engaged, not just off your own experience, but but really study study the listener. It's gonna it's gonna go a long way in terms of the, their experience of engagement in your message time. Yeah. And so if you're listening in, Pastor, this is not a problem you solve. It's a tension you manage on a week to week ongoing. Basis, And I just want to remind you that this is part of that overall blueprint we talked about a few weeks ago when we're talking about coming see, come and see evangelism, gathering on mission, as we call it. Uh, if you looked at the three legs under that, they tend to be engaging in their worship experience. So, hey, thanks for listening in. And uh, be sure and send us an email. If you have a question about any of this, we, we, we may not know the answer, but we can find the answer and find someone who can speak into the answer. And if you'd like to send us a question, uh, you can do it to evangelism at nam.net. Thanks for listening in. Thanks for listening to Your Church on Mission Evangelism Podcast. To find out more about leading your church on mission, be sure and check out the blog, www.namb.net forward slash your church on mission. To send in a comment or question, email it to evangelism at namb.net.